Wicked. <laughs> Nathan. How you doing, my man? Hey, good, brother. How are you? I am good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm good. I feel like this summertime is just keeps on going and I, you know, I'm loving that heat. <laughs> it's not going to stop. It feels like. That uh, global warming. Are you, are you uh, up to date on all the science and all that sort of stuff? The... I, I would be lying if I said I was. No, I'm not. Well, I'm just like reaping the benefits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not up on the science. I'm not the person to talk to about the, the science of all of that, but it's... Uh... Well, so everyone's freaking out and you're just loving the sunshine. <laughs> oh, the polar, the, you know, the polar ice caps are melting and the you know, polar bears are standing on, on blocks of ice. They've got nowhere to live. And I'm like, well, shit is, I'm, I'm, I'm tropical. <laughs> Yeah, I'm tropical. <laughs> this motherfucker's sunbathing. In his speedos. Pretty much, man. Pretty much. I'm loving that. Yeah. Vitamin D's. But Melbourne gets that it gets that icy wind, man. Oh that yeah, that Arctic tundra, that breeze. <laughs> Do not miss that winter mornings down in Melbourne. So also you get the when it's northerly as well, you get the, the desert desert breeze as well, and you get the northerly wind, so it's, it's you know, it's a good place to be. For every, for every negative, there's a positive, you know. I actually lo- love the fact <clears throat> that we have that kind of messed up weather down here because, you know, that's, I feel that there would be about 15 million people living in Melbourne if we had the, the Brisbane-like weather, you know. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are moving to Melbourne. Um, but they probably get a taste of it. <laughs> Spend a year down there, go country. One winter and I'm out. <laughs> and and you, you've been based up that way. You said you were down here for some time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up here, and then uh, we 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 needed a change. Uh, my fiance Marit and I just decided to pack it up and move and get some new new stuff you know been in the same place for 30 years i thought it was about time to about time to to do some traveling yeah nice well how did you uh get into just do a quick intro for the the people who don't know who you are like tell us a little bit about coming from you know what you're up to in the world um yeah i'm i'm basically a guy that you know, uh, loves to get around people and uh, help people to feel happy, you know. Uh, And I do that because I spent a lot of my life very unhappy uh, and, um, and, you know, did a lot of work to to get to the point to to understand myself uh, enough to, uh, and, and built the character through, kind of some difficult times to, to figure it out. So um, that's what I love doing. That's what I do. Uh, I work as a, 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 an emotional mastery coach. So I help, uh, I help people to understand and, and tap into the true power of their emotions and unlock, you know, unlock the lessons from the past that are really trapped by, by their emotions. Um, I see a lot of people who are, who are, totally at the mercy of overwhelming emotions on a daily basis and uh and 
I see them struggling and uh, I see them asking for help. So, um, yeah, I'm spreading the message, man. Spreading the message. Yeah, man. And how, what got you into that? You said, you know, you spent a bunch of time unhappy and, you know, like not having such a great time. And then I imagine that led you into, I don't know, researching, studying, finding, you know, the seeking, um, yeah. finding, I imagine, uh, some sort of support networks mm. or people or mentors or guides or whoever it might have been. Books. That's right. That's uh, right. And from there, <clears throat> what, um, yeah, like, you know, what did you find? And, and how did you start turning it around and then to the point where now you're you know, on the other side of the coin, I guess? Yeah, man, you just said it. You just said it all. No, man, look, I, uh, I was living a very, um, a life where I kind of, even from a child, I never really felt like I fit in. Um, so something a little bit different. Uh, and to deal with that difference of so the feeling that, that, that I wasn't, that I couldn't fit in, uh, I turned to food. I mean, a lot of people turn to food these days because it's right there. So that was my thing. That was my drug of choice. Um, and, you know, by the time I was 18, I was 250 kilos. So uh, at 18 years old, it's like, all right, yeah, either I keep going this way or I just eat my... I I had made I made the decision. Again, it's either it's either I just what? Yeah, man, it's either I keep doing what I'm doing. The the window of opportunity opened up, which was to step through and face my face my shit and make a change, or turn away and put my head back in the sand and keep doing what I was doing. And I chose to put my head back in the sand. <laughs> And I chose that over and over and over and over again. Um, I had weight loss surgery, which I thought was going to be the magic pill, which turned out to do nothing but physically prevent me from uh, doing the thing that I'd always done to do with my emotions. So I ate my way through the surgery and my mental health declined rapidly, uh, you know, ended up hating the world and, and, and hating everybody in the world and resenting everybody in my life and blaming everybody for the shit that I was in. Um, and it manifested in all sorts of horrible ways. You know, I had a bulging disc in my lower back that was, that caused my whole left leg to, to go numb. I couldn't really walk anymore. In 2009, this is, Four years after having surgery, I still weighed about 190 kilos, um, but now I couldn't walk and uh, I was taking the strongest painkillers that I could convince every doctor in my area to give me. Uh, and yeah, man, it all, it, it all kind of crashed down at that point and that window opened up again and I thought, okay, do or die. Like either I do something now or this is it. And I chose to do something, um, took, took the responsibility on, stopped blaming others, stopped blaming myself and just started to do the work. So my journey really started with physical, with physical. Uh, and that's all it was, man. There was, there was no... Just the one out, like you <clears throat> decided that, was it like, oh, I'm going to do this 
90 day challenge or is it gonna like was it i'm gonna walk every day was it what you know I'm, yeah. was your leg still numb could you walk did you have to swim ride like what was the yeah 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 so no my, my my leg my back was was fucked i didn't know that i could do any exercise i was lying on the floor of the neurosurgeon's office um my mom had taken me in and he was like we're gonna have to fuse your spine together and he's like there's a 50 percent chance that you, you know, that, you know, it's going to take you six months to learn to walk again. Uh, there's a 20% chance that you're never going to walk again. All right. And there's a, you know, a 40% chance, 30% chance that nothing's going to change. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. <laughs> right. Yeah, give it to me. So I had blamed the weight loss surgeon and now this guy told me this. I was like, let's do it. And he said, there's only one problem, man. You're, you're 15 kilos too heavy. Uh, I, I won't put you under your over the weight limit. Uh, and I was like, fuck you. <laughs> like, motherfucker, you're supposed to be the one fixing me. I can't walk right now. You're telling me I have to lose 15 kilos before you will do the thing that will allow me to walk. That's how I'm going to lose 15 kilos. So what do you want me to do? And I was furious, man, furious. And I looked up at my mom who had taken me in and she was just sobbing and like bawling her eyes out. And I was like, fuck, like the, the pain of it all had never hit me because it was my pain. Mm. But I didn't realize that I was inflicting pain and I was hurting the people that I love. And I saw men like my family was being torn apart because of the worry that they had about me because they didn't know how to help me. You know, my sister would, would burst into tears every time she saw me come give me a hug and I felt nothing um, until that moment. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And the very next thing I did was sign up to a four-week, four-week, it was basically a fat camp. <laughs> it was a fat camp. It was a weight loss retreat where I learned, it was like exercise every day, hours of exercise, uh, all the food taken care of, stayed there, you know, for four weeks, uh, meditation, Tai Chi, um, uh, swimming, the full deal, right? Um, what, was the, what was it like in terms of, like, the hunger or the appetite? Like, were you just... Like constantly eating, to, to, you know, to get up to those kind of weights, you need to be eating quite a lot. I imagine I'm not, I'm not too much. Like, what was the appetite like? What was the eating habits like to get there, and also to you know, then to, to have that uh, the loss, the weight loss as well. Um, when I look back, man, like if I said to you, "Hey, man, I, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to put on 130, 140 kilos." Could you imagine the amount of work you'd have to put in? <laughs> like, that's I put in work to get there. <laughs> it's effort, man. It's effort, man. I couldn't do that now. Like, you could pay me a million bucks. I don't think I could do it. Like, <laughs> I would have to go against every human instinct that I have to continue to eat and stuff my face the way that I did to get there. So I must have been living in some dreamland, man, total unconsciousness. Um, you know, total numbness, 
really it was just total numbness it was about numbing those emotions and you know god i don't know how it happened i don't know how it happened because it doesn't physically make sense to me now um and that was my body i lived it i can't remember the pain of it because we're funny that way we don't really remember pain right once it's gone it's gone (laughs) that's why women can have more than one child right um but No, I said that's why women can have more than one child because we don't remember pain. So we might cut out for a couple of seconds here now and then. If we do, I'll just stop talking and wait till it comes back so we won't miss anything. Um, I don't know why that is, by the way. But, yeah, if we're talking about the amount of food, it was anything and everything um, on on massive scales. I, I couldn't tell you how many calories I was eating per day, but I once... I once figured out, I went back and looked at what I would eat in the morning before school. When I was in high school and I was, when I had my own money, I would go into school and the canteen would be open. And um, I think I count, calculated something like three and a half thousand calories before the bell rang, which was like chocolate milk, cheese and bacon rolls, sausage roll, meat pies, you know, uh, whatever I could get my hands on. What's that like a daily, like recommended for a daily, right? A daily is like 2,000, man. <laughs> so we're blowing well past that. And the day hasn't even started. Um, so that was on the daily. Uh, it was probably, you know, as, as a kid at, at that age, 17, you know, it was probably getting towards 50 bucks a day on just school food at school uh, and then coming home and eating. So uh, I've got a beautiful family. Dad's Italian and mum's Spanish Filipino. Uh, and dude, everyone just loved to feed me. They loved to feed me from the beginning. You know, I was a little, I was a little chubby, uh, big, happy baby. So uh, yeah, man, I just, I just got a taste for it. So I was eating a lot. I was eating a lot all day, well into the night, uh, and moving zero. So, yeah, it was it was a downward spiral. It was pretty bad. And then the uh, the turnaround there. You said you went to this camp was four weeks. What was what were some of the the main principles or core kind of mess, you know um, transmissions that you received from from there? Oh man, every I learned everything from there. Kind of everything that I knew about nutrition and food stuff that I'd never heard before, basic things, you know, about carbohydrates and sugars. Um, Just like fundamental core aspects of physiology. Um, And it was just all physical. What I learned most was how to to do things when I didn't want to do them. I had to get up early, um, and really by that point, my mind had really ticked over, had really clicked. Uh, and I remember a moment during that 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 kind of camp where I really had what I call like an identity up. So I was just saying, I had at a certain point in that camp, I had what I what I talk about now as an identity upgrade. And it was really this step into uh, that first one was I am a, I am an athlete, you know. Like I started to think about that for the first time, but uh, 
it's funny, I've, I've got video of all this. Like uh, I took video of it because um, the one thing, the thing that I did, I think the thing that shifted everything for me is what I teach now is I was writing along with a couple of mates, I was writing short, short film scripts. And we sat down and wrote a short film script called Magic Pill, which was about a story about a guy who's overweight and you know couldn't get a girl, hated his job, and, and, and all that stuff. He stumbles across a magic pill, takes it, wakes up the next morning, and he's lost all this weight. And he gets out of bed and looks himself in the mirror and goes, holy shit. And the story really was about what, what next, like how does someone deal with that, that type of rapid transformation mm. um and i obsessed over this script man i got right into it and um and went out bought a camera and we filmed the first half we filmed all the bits you know of me at my size and i said all right i'm gonna go now i'm gonna lose all this weight and in a year i'm gonna come back we're gonna film the rest of the scenes so it's really gonna be like a transformation in in the short film um and that's what i did that's yeah. what I did. So I filmed the whole thing and man, just, just, it was just a massive physical Everest that, that, that I went for. So it's went all in. What was the, uh, like you said, all in or was Everest. So what can you, can you specify some of the, you know, the actual shifts, changes? Did you have like limits on your calorie intake per day? Did you have movement goals per day or week or like, what was some of the, like, you know, specifics of it all. I got obsessed, man. <laughs> got obsessed. So you're just like reading everything you can, applying, implementing, or were you like, were you like more like, all right, I'm just going to follow this one thing for some time? Like, because I know that can be, I found can, mentors, can be confusing, yeah. you know what I mean? It could be like, oh, there's all these things, you know, the overwhelm can come. It's got, you know, all right, I want to go build a website. So you get like a hundred different people rather than just focusing on the one all right, let's just follow this into completion. No, brother, that's all distraction. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're getting overwhelmed with, with all the things that you feel like you have to do. You just don't want it. Yeah. Not yet. You're not ready. Yeah. At that point where it's do or die, it's like, fuck it. Let's do it. So, yeah, I was reading everything. I was reading Men's Health every week, but I also had a personal trainer. Um, and I was just doing the work. I was getting up at 5.30 every morning. I was training and, and it became my entire... Yeah, it became my entire focus. And I changed my whole environment as well. Like I quit my job. I went and, I went and got a job at a health food store, hanging around naturopaths and sports supplements. And, and then I trained to become certified as a personal trainer. Became a personal trainer. Became a personal trainer so I could live in the gym. Built a lifestyle around it. Started seeing clients. So it just became my life. It became my life. Became my passion. And it was how I developed. It was really how I developed this a purpose for myself. Yeah, nice. And that was all. What What did the family think? Because like they they're not allowed to feed you as much anymore. Like what was they like? Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it, bro? Like, I had to get out. Mm. Had to get out. So, so I did. Uh, part of the shifts were leaving, leaving home, getting out, getting my own place. You know, making some money of my own and making my own decisions. Mm. Um, a lot of resentment came 
towards my parents. Uh, that uh, that has been the majority of the work that I've done after the physical transformation. But at that time, I just had to get away. I had to right. get away. You know, there was a lot of blame uh, still on them for putting for putting me in this situation. Um, so that was all part of the shift in environment. I had to shift everything. And there, and there were some, you said some mentors or were there some key players in, in that transformation that were supportive or were there some key kind of challenging people as well that, you know, family was one, Uh, were there some people trying to keep you in there? Like, Oh, I want want you to stay the same if if you know what I mean? Or like, you know, not want you to, to break out of or transform. Um, yeah, no, no more than myself. Yeah. No, no one more than myself. Yeah. I've had the incredible privilege of being supported through my whole life. The only, the only time, the only thing that, that made me feel not supported was, was my own, was myself, was the stuff that I was doing. So, uh, my family's always been supportive. Um, they may not have understood it. Uh, and it may have at that time been a sacrifice in our connection. Um, but there were things, there were certain things like, you know, there was certain people in my life who say things like, you know, just because you've lost weight, it doesn't mean that you have to that change as a person. Like you've changed so much. You're not the same person we used to know. And I was like, yeah, no shit, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> everything's changed and I say that to people as well who are looking to make these big changes in their life it's like if you're not willing to have everything change then nothing will yeah you know just that willingness to 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 have everything as it is fall away yeah yeah then, then you're not actually ready or willing. Yeah, I don't think so. Are you? Are you like? I guess what's your your specialty? I guess that you know that you love to work with. I know you you mentioned before you you like people to be happy and to have a better experience of life and. Uh, that's what you love doing. Is there any kind of specific, do you like working with the physical side? Do you like working with the emotional side? Do you like working with relationship side? Like, you know, uh, maybe it's like business side. Are there specific areas you love working with more than others or you just kind of mm-hmm. love Yeah. So I, I, as I was going through my own stages, that's, they're the stages that I, that I was working through. There's a lot more to the story. I mean, the physical part was just one part and, and, what I started was as a personal trainer, helping people in the physical because it's all I could access. That's the only work that I'd done. So I was helping people physical, but at that point, man, like I had an incredible judgment towards overweight people who were struggling with their weight, you know, like they would come to me for help, say, Hey, can you help me? I know you've done this before. Can you help me? And I say, yeah, but in here, I, I, there was, I'm being really honest here, you know, something that would come up that would say, I can't help you. You're beyond help. You're a fat, lazy, so-and-so, um, you know, you just got to do the work, all of these things. There was this level of disconnect 
um, that I realized later was, it was all self-judgment, mm. all self-judgment that, that I hadn't, hadn't looked at. So I was not very good at helping people at that time, surprisingly. You know, as soon as you judge someone, you lose all ability to influence them. Uh, and I was doing that. So I realized later that the personal training was more for me than for the clients. Uh, and that was a hard pill to swallow because I'd always thought of myself as a very kind, a very giving person. But I realized that, man, at that time, everything was wrapped up in this unconsciousness because I hadn't done any of the work. I hadn't done any mental mindset work. I, well, maybe I'd done mindset work because that's what's required to make that change, but I'd done no emotional work. I was still a, still a volcano inside me. So as I moved on from that and started to do more of the emotional work, uh, that's where I found my passion start to come alive. Um, and uh, I'd lost 130 kilos, but it wasn't enough. So I'm like, what, like, what else do I have to do? Because at that point then I was chasing Instagram likes and I was like, You know, and um, was that from your like your transformation? Did you have like a transformation of kind of Instagram? No, no, I never created like a transformation page. But I, I, I really wanted to, I wanted to have the greatest before and after picture anyone had ever seen. Uh, and it poisoned me. Like it truly poisoned me. Um. So, yeah, man, the, 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 there's a lot to it. But uh, I connected with my girlfriend, well, my fiance, my girlfriend at the time in 2014. We had met way back at uni when I was like almost 200 kilos. We were great friends and we'd be friends for years. And she was like the girl of my dreams, like sexy, gorgeous, amazing. It was like the one that was like, wow. Um, but I cut it all off because, you know, I was like, this, is, this girl's out of my league and you know, all of those things. Anyway, we, we reconnected again after like five years of not seeing each other after I'd lost 130 kilos, had all these muscles, had all the thing, you know, had the swag, everything. And things were just different, man, like electricity because it was just power shift, boom. Um, and we got into it and, you know, we, we tried to pretend we were just friends for a year uh, and, and, and all of that good stuff. But we finally got together uh, in a relationship and I'm like, holy shit, I've got everything that I've ever wanted, man. Like I'm the fat guy in the friend zone that's made the leap. Now I've got the girl of my dreams, the, the, the body that I've always wanted. You know, I've got a business. I'm working with people, money coming in. I'm on top of the world. Still wasn't enough. Still wasn't enough. Why aren't I happy? Why, why am I still searching for something? And that search for validation led me down a real dark path and actually led me to the point where I cheated on Marette. And this is where it kind of, uh, where the story shifts because at that point I got hit with a, a truck, that emotion, something so powerful hit me, pierced all the armor, all the bullshit, all the walls, everything came crumbling down because that feeling of, holy shit, I've just done something that 
I've always said I would never ever do that I've never done before that has never even crossed my mind that I didn't think I was capable of and now nothing will ever be the same I cannot have the type of relationship I wanted now because of what I've just done and that fucking hit me man it floored me uh, and I remember feeling that guilt uh, at a level that I'd never been able to feel it before because of how much I'd numb myself. Mm. Um, so, man, that, the window opened up, the opportunity, you know, the window opened up the opportunity for me to step through and kind of say, all right, something's not going right, time to change, time to, to come clean, time to really step up. Um, and I didn't fucking step through the window. <laughs> I turned away again, man. I took all that emotion. I stuffed it down again, stuffed it down again, pushed it deep inside. Not with food or like, what was the, what was the method this time? Self-sabotage, self-sabotage, man. It was, it was food as well, right? It was food that was always there. It's been a constant, man. It's a constant struggle still here now. Um, I just, you know, but it was my business started to run into the ground. The relationship started to, to plummet, no communication. And it had kind of opened the doorway to these, these emotions that I had to work extra hard to push down. And when you push emotions down, and I'd been doing it for a long time, you, you flatline everything. So I couldn't feel joy. I couldn't feel, you know, excitement. I would look at a baby and feel nothing, you know. It was starting to really freak me out. Um, I couldn't get in touch with, with anything. And because of that thing that was inside me, I couldn't communicate. Because, because I couldn't open up for fear that she would see something and it would cause me to let something out of the bag. And this process, you know, made me realize that I'd actually been lying all my life, like in every sense of the word, lying to myself, you know, lying in the way that I was presenting myself to the world, lying in the creation of this reputation or ego that I'd, that I'd built from, from nothing to try and protect myself, but also actually lying, compulsively lying. And I had uh, created this web of lies that was very hard to maintain, took a lot of energy to maintain. And that started to really scare me. Um, you know, so she, you know, she, one time she sat down and asked me if I could help up, help clean up around the house a little bit more. I hadn't been pulling my weight, right? And I remember the emotion coming up and the feeling of inadequacy, the feeling of not being good enough, the feeling like I was a failure and I couldn't express any of it. So I was just silent, just staring at her with nothing, no words. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Yeah, it's like there's a, there's a bunch of like, you don't know what you're feeling or how to, what, yeah, how to articulate the feeling. So there's yeah, nothing, nothing might come out nothing numbness and i think a lot of women have that experience with men and i hear it a lot because we do couples work now where 
that it's saying, I'm just getting nothing. I'm just getting nothing back. Like I'm sharing, I'm expressing. Can you help me to, to teach me? They say, can you help me teach me some way to communicate um, that'll, that'll help him open up? And, I, you know, I, I still don't know the answer to that because for me it, it only came from realising that inside me. So that was the beginning of, of looking at emotions and understanding the role they played. But at that point I couldn't name emotions. I didn't know what they were. I couldn't separate them. Um, I pretty much only knew good or bad, really. I, I can relate to that as well. That was kind of the <clears throat> pre-spiral. Like, I don't know if you know about the spiral. <clears throat> no. Yeah, hearing more about it. But um, that before pre-spiral, which was 2012, uh, 13, I would have been doing spiral, finished in 2014. Um, so all of 2013, I was going through the process. But pre that, it was only, I, I knew uh, and could articulate anyway, angry. I knew when I was angry because I it happened like twice a year because I'd bottle it all up and it would come out once or twice a year. Um, and it was probably those once or twice a year that I actually knew it was anger. Before it was, I didn't know what it was, so I bottled it up. I didn't like the feeling of it. I knew when I was hungry. That was another thing I knew. I could articulate. I knew when I was tired. Um, I couldn't differentiate between tired and exhausted and slightly fatigued, and, but I knew tired. Um, I knew horny. <laughs> that was about it. That was, the, that was the, the, the spectrum of, of emotions that I could articulate, that I could go, okay, this is what I'm feeling and I can express it. Um, and then post-spiral, without even, it wasn't necessarily an intention, but the spiral is a process of, of clearing emotions, of, of clearing emotional triggers, emotional conditionings, which uh, run on the subconscious or you know, under, the, under the surface level of consciousness, that then we, we act out in ways that we think we should do or that we're conditioned to, because that's how we've always done it and that's how we've survived, right? Um, and as a result of clearing these emotions, starting with the dogma, the guilt, the shame, the heavier emotions, the, uh, the fear, the paralyzed will, all this stuff, and then moving up into kind of the joy, the enlightenment, you know, the higher uh, kind of, uh, you know, emotions that are more up, up, uh, up higher, I guess, as opposed to lower. Um, but as a result, like throughout that year, I was finding myself, someone would say, hey, how are you doing? Or how are you feeling? And I'd be like, well, I'm... You know, I'm kind of feeling really remorseful right now or I'm spiteful or, you know, I'm feeling kind of like, you know, abandoned and mixed with kind of resentful, or, you know, like I could really have this pellet or this spectrum of, uh, of emotions that I've never, and I realized I'm like, hang on, I've never found myself speaking like this or being able to articulate uh, emotions in such a way. And, it, and the, the benefit in terms of relationships and just myself having a better experience or just a more like full experience of life uh, it was just huge you know and it's like i'd highly recommend people get you know starting to develop and cultivate a, a language and an ability to articulate and feel into and be able to be present with whatever they're feeling because it just makes especially relationships uh you know between self and other makes the relationship so that we have uh, much more fruitful, much more lively, much more colorful and, and you can feel and you can actually then move to where you want, knowing where you are allows you to move to where you want to get to, right? Yeah, we, 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 unless we have word, a word for it, we, we, we don't know it's there. Like we, we really can only feel the things we have words for. Marat's Egyptian, so she speaks Arabic. 
And um, one of the things I realised is that she, when we look at people who speak a different language, the Arabic language is expansive. It's, um, it, it's constantly growing. Um, they have unbelievable prose and poetry and, um, you know, uh, they, can, they can express things that and, uh, someone who only speaks English can't possibly comprehend. Right with the beauty of their language, and um, I, w- I was realizing that she would say things, or her family would say things, and then she would turn to me to try and explain it, and she wouldn't be able to explain it. Yeah. And I was starting to think, like, how can there be something that you've just said that you can't explain to me? What does that mean? Because that means then you're experiencing something that I can't experience. Mm. So then it started to get me to 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 wonder, like people who are speaking multiple languages um, because English of course is a, is, is, is getting smaller all the time. Like we're fucking using emojis now, right? Like it's getting smaller, not bigger, not more expensive. Uh, We always seem to want to get it as small as possible. So I wonder like, okay, well, if, if language identifies the reality that you're living in and someone who speaks one language can have an experience that they can't possibly explain to someone who speaks another language. What does that mean for each individual experience of the world? Like, you know, it just it makes me think even more that we're all experiencing this world totally differently. And that goes to, to emotions as well. Right? Like if you can't, if you can't express the emotions that you're feeling, um, and most of us know anger, but anger is so strong that it it hide, that the other emotions hide underneath it mm. and within it. So you know, someone explodes with anger or rage. That oftentimes underneath it, there is sadness mm. and there's fear, the sadness, and, anxiety, frustration. Yeah, all these different all these different levels and you know in the work that i do i always start by clearing out anger because it kind of opens the floodgates right and someone will clear out anger and they say i don't feel anything and i say yeah you've done a really good job of pushing it down there i don't feel anything and then like what once you clear the anger the the next step and it's so funny i see it over and over again with clients you know I, cl- I clear anger. They're very skeptical, particularly with men. I clear it. I say, I didn't feel anything. I didn't connect. With it. I don't know what the fuck this is. What the fuck's going on? This is bullshit, right? And I'm like, aha, <laughs> there it is, right? And it'll turn from that into, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is, this is just too much. I want to stop. I don't want to do this anymore. I just feel like I have to go. And I don't know. I just want to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And then they'll start crying. And I said, what are you feeling now? I don't know what, I don't know what the fuck this is, blah, 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 blah right? So, the, the, so after I clear anger, the next one to go is, is, is often sadness. Um, and, and I always do those two together because they're so, they're so linked. Um, and uh, I, I never want to clear anger and then leave someone with sadness because you know, anger, will, anger will cause us to hurt others. And sadness will cause us to hurt ourselves. 
do mm. things about ourselves. So we want to clear those two out. But yeah, it's interesting how they're how they all file underneath each other. It is fascinating. And in terms of like the, I guess, utilizing some of this experiences, some of these experiences that you've had with clients or with yourself, are there, uh, I'm constantly thinking as I'm, as I'm speaking or presenting or having these conversations, I'm like, so how can the listener, how can the audience utilize this in their lives? Like how can they start applying like this, concepts these principles practically into their lives like what are some uh, actions that that you'd recommend or that you'd suggest or that you you know you'd like to bring to people's minds uh, as a possibility of trying out you know as a result of you know some of your learnings or some of the learnings you've witnessed in others and that's because we sometimes tend to just say well you know the the only way to release the emotions is to come see me right <laughs> <laughs> come book a session in but really um the the um it's hard for me to answer because i i really did for 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 me this all started with pain mm. you know like i said a big moment a catalyst of of, of total pain that led to uh me taking further action. So then I picked up a book and I read it. I think the first book I read was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I think. Um, and then I got a, I actually got a business coach uh, who, was to, who was supposed to help me build my PT business. But turns out she was a wizard, right? And we didn't talk about business at all. <laughs> And by the end of that year, I wasn't a personal trainer anymore. And working with her as a life coach, which is what she turned out to be, um, you know, because you're not going to work on your business unless you've done this work yeah. first. So um, I went from personal trainers into coach uh, who started to get me to think about this stuff. Um, and then I started meditating. Um, and meditation was probably the thing, the medicine, the medicine that I kind of uh, relied on heavily um, because that thing that was inside me, the guilt, that action the, 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 that I had done that, that was still inside me, the only way that I could get to it um, the the only way that it that 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 I could get it to come up to face it was through meditation uh, or smoking weed, which I did as well. Yeah, together, right? And I began to kind of um, smoke weed, kind of ritualistically, in terms of using it to tap into my body uh, and to emotions and to bring up some of this stuff. But it wasn't pleasant. We talk about it being recreational. Well, if you're using it right, it's it's not a whole lot of fun, <laughs> right? Because it brings you face to face with, you know, they say meditation done right is like a head-on collision with your biggest fears, because yeah. that's what it's going to bring up. Um, and along with you know psychedelics or uh, any time of consciousness expanding drugs, you know. Um, marijuana it 
it, it was what allowed that all to bubble up. And what came with it was a lot of um, anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of sadness, a lot of guilt, all of that stuff. And it was overwhelming. But um, I faced it, sat with it, meditated it and, uh, on it and journaled a lot of it out um, to try and get in touch with it. But, but I always ended up being able to put it back in its box, right? And really what I was doing was arguing against having to tell Moret that I had cheated on her. Yeah. Because the reality of that was, was way beyond anything I could imagine because I knew what it was going to do to her. So I always managed to be able to put it back in after I was done looking at it. Um, but the arguments, they were getting saying that, that those arguments with myself, they were getting longer and harder to win. <laughs> they were getting longer and harder to win until eventually um, it came up and I argued with it and I thought I'd put it away and it came back and then I realized, oh shit, I, I've got nothing left. Like, and it all hit me in that moment that, that it was no longer about saving the relationship. It was no longer about making sure that um, she saw me in any certain way or that we would be able to heal this relationship. Uh, it was about saving my soul, you know? It was about coming clean, not to Moret, not to mum and dad and people, not even to myself, but coming clean to the universe. Yeah. Right? For everything. And um, I burst into tears, broke down into tears and cried forever because I was fucking terrified. But at the same time, I was comforted because um, I knew that I knew that I could handle any consequence that came of it. I knew that I could handle any consequence and I knew that it was necessary for, for, for my evolution. Um, and I also knew that she was strong enough to handle it. Uh, like I knew it all in this moment. I knew that she could handle it. And then I saw our relationship um, and the vision for our relationship so clearly through it all um, that it gave me the strength to, to, to be able to do it. Um, and at that point, it felt like I had a kind of a hand grenade. I pulled the pin and, um, you know, I was about to drop it at our feet. And like, it's kind of like, all right, I know where we're going to be. <laughs> But to get there, we're gonna fucking strap in, you know. <laughs> and I could talk, you know, I could talk about it now, like that. And and I don't mean to to make light of, of a situation, but we've done, we've talked about this, we've talked about this a lot. We've understood this a lot. So we, this is how, this is what we talk about with our clients and you know, couples, you know, who are facing a similar situation which is a fucking lot of people, by the way. Yeah. Way more, way more than you'd, uh, than you'd think. A lot, of, a lot of people think, oh, it's, it's whatever it is, whatever challenge, whatever struggle, whatever experience that is kind of tough <clears throat> or not fun. Um, a lot of people are thinking, oh, I'm, no one's going to understand or no, no one would know what it's like. As soon as you start 
sharing because uh, there's something in, in whether it's the group work I do or the in, in person, you know, if I'm running a class or a, a session where there's lots of people in it um, and we'll get together and we'll share the experiences of what was, what was being experienced. You'd be so surprised. Everyone's so surprised of, oh, I was, I was feeling exactly the same thing or I experienced exactly the same thing or I can relate to that completely. Uh, and it's not often that we're sharing so vulnerably openly so, uh, you know, in a space that is kind of safe, that no one's going to be sharing your stuff outside of that space. Um, so I, I believe that having those, creating those spaces where we can share that vulnerably, honestly, openly, completely uh, is, is very, it's super helpful. You know, it's super helpful for that. Oh, actually, I'm, I'm no different to you or, you know, what I feel... And especially if you feel that your thing is like really epic and then someone else shares, like, oh, my thing is not epic at all. This person's going through some really tough stuff, you know? Definitely helpful for that. Yeah, it's so true. You know, you, you get a room of a thousand people together and uh, you say, you know, someone stands up, I, I got a problem with money, you know? Yeah, financial problem is causing me so stress, <laughs> so much stress. You're like, hey, uh, just give me a sec. Like, is anyone else feeling like stressed with money or have felt that in their life? Boom, 100%. Because like, take a look around. You're not fucking unique. Yeah. Like our problems, they're not unique. They're, they're, they're collective, right? But uh, so is love. So is happiness. It's all right there for us. You know? 100%. And for you, I guess... Are there some core messages that keep coming through? Like, do you find yourself repeating? Do you have one-on-one -on -one sessions with people? Do you have, you know, uh, regular <clears throat> kind of, I guess it's principles or, you know, ideas that you find yourself sharing over and over again? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And what, um, what are the key or the core ones, like the top few or whatever? We do a lot of work with couples uh, as well now, as I said, um, and we're able to do that because we 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 take a couple who's who's struggling, and I thoroughly, you know, I believe that the process that we went through, Marat and I, is essential for any couple, any relationship. And what I mean by that is, at some point. you have to let go of the attachment to the image of the relationship that you're currently holding. Right now, whenever you got together into this relationship, you were different people and you've changed. So a lot of people are attached to an image of the other person from God knows how long ago. Uh, attached to an image of themselves and then attached to an image of a relationship that's no, that, that doesn't exist anymore. And the suffering comes from holding on to that image and creating expectations around it based on that old image. So until you can really understand that, uh, uh, and really I'm talking about relationships, but this is also for individuals that, you need to be willing and open to let 
that old version of yourself burn. Mm. And this is, I guess, what we call, talk when we talk about ego death. Now, I don't know a lot about ego death, but but it's it's a term that that resonates with me when I think about what I had to do, which was to come clean about everything, to allow the the statue that I had built that I was parading around that I named Nathan Miola to be torn down Mm. and to be willing to stare at the rubble. And we both had to do that simultaneously at the rubble of the relationship, because there was also a relationship statue that we'd built, Mm. right? To tear it all down and then look at what's left and then decide if we want to be with each other to, Mm. to actually choose. So I think that that's uh, that that a lot of people um, go th- get caught up in the relationship and ride this wave of emotion that we like to call love. <laughs> that I think has been misunderstood, and it's and also, also I believe welcoming that those ego deaths. You know, like oftentimes people might go through them. Uh, you know, it might be adolescence, for instance, or it might be turning 21, becoming an adult, or midlife, you know, like changing careers, or it might be having a divorce or something like this that, you know, we have a few times, maybe four or five times by the time we're 40 or 50 years old. Um, these ego deaths, these transformations, these, t- these periods of time where we're totally not who we believed we were or built ourselves up to be, and we've t- totally got to like you said, burn that down, that identity down and be, become someone else or like reinvent who we are or redecide who, who it is that we are going to be. And this work, doing work, like, like I mentioned, the spiral, whatever it might be, the, the work you guys do, doing a workshop, doing a, a program, doing a four week, you know, fat camp, doing a, whatever it might be. Um, all of these are opportunities for those ego deaths, you know, and, and I, I believe more and more that we're welcoming that work, you know, feeling the fear, doing it anyway, you know, um, having those beginning with the end in mind regularly, you know, these kind of different concepts that you have, I guess the more and more you can do that to the point where, because I'm teaching mindfulness, I'm, I'm, you know, Qigong instructor. So I'm always about the mindfulness and the breath, you know, so even in, in, in the very moment, each inhale that we're taking is a, is an inspiration. It's a filling up of life. It's a expanding. If you imagine, you're breathing in, you're filling yourself up with life, essentially. And then when you're exhaling, it's also expanding, but it's also letting go and releasing and dying, ex- expiring. So coming into those ego deaths in each and every breath and, and making it a habit that each moment that it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off, it's ones and zeros is an ego death. And you don't have to, like, you can fill up with life and presence, but then also expire and, and die in each, in each moment as well. Making that a habit. Now it makes these ego deaths, these you know, these transformations feel way less of a big deal. If you if you know what I mean, it's just like okay, cool. I am what I am, and I am that I am in each and every moment, and I'm also not any of it <laughs> in each and every moment as well. Uh, is is a really helpful kind of habit to get into. Yeah, I guess it's understanding impermanence, right? That mm. that nothing lasts. That everything will be turning to dust at some point. So, um, yeah, that was really interesting what you said about, um, about, about that because, you know, in a relationship, you, 
you have to be willing to choose each other, you know, not just once when you get married <laughs> or when you ask them to go on a date with you or, but every, every moment, every moment, not every second, but every moment. And you have to be willing to, to the slate clean. Wipe the slate clean because, a, a, you know, a, a person can only be who we treat them to be yeah. or who we treat them as, you know what I mean? So if we're treating someone based on the behaviors and actions of the past, then we're not giving them the opportunity to, to expand and come alive uh, into their full potential. Mm. Whereas if we truly see If we truly see through all of that right down deep um, beneath all the layers and all the beliefs and all the behaviors and muck and actions, then um, that's when you find that we're all the same and, we can, and that's where you can connect. And this is absolutely vital to, to not just in an intimate relationship, but for any relationship, for, for your kids. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And the, it's funny you mentioned that Magic Pill is the name of the book as well, or the, the short short film. Was it a short film or full length? What was it? It was a short film. Yeah, yeah. A so short film like yeah. Magic Pill, I, I look at Qigong or mindfulness practice as the magic pill. You know, you mentioned meditation earlier. It's like that for me is the closest thing to a magic pill that, that I've ever found. Um, if you want a quick, like, ability to enhance your experience or gain mastery over your experience um or have some sort of <laughs> like you're in control like you actually have the control <laughs> rather than it just happening to you then start practicing mindfulness or meditation because uh, there's nothing that i've seen that that can enhance uh, discipline self-discipline uh self-awareness uh the ability to to paint your experience as it goes um, better than, than mindfulness or you know, that meditation yeah. practice. And what an incredible moment when you, when you, when the flick, flick switches yeah. and you go, oh shit, I've got control here. <laughs> like, yeah, med meditation is really, it's a medicine. It really is. 100%. And um, just to, just for, cause I know we've got to wrap up shortly. Um, like what's upcoming for you? What's exciting you? What are you working on? What's the, the year ahead? What's, yeah, what's happening for you in the future that uh, it's coming up? Man, this is really exciting. Um, uh, I'm doing a lot more men's work. Uh, so I'm going down next weekend to, to Melbourne to speak at Island of Men, which is going to be great. I'll be talking about uh, my five pillars of purpose. Five PP. Five PP, uh, and then I'm headed to New York in April to to speak on stage in New York, and I'll be talking about uh, the process of, of journey and and um, uh, again about magic pills, about um, uh, you know the, the becoming obsessed with the journey and not the outcome, um, and that's that's kind of where my where my space is at the moment. Um, What's the what's the event in New York? What's where and when? The event's in uh, Brooklyn, April thirteenth, uh, and it's a 
it's being run by uh, one of my mentors, Andrew Eggleton, who is a presenter, presenting mentor. So he's yeah, we've had him on uh, on this podcast. I think we had it's one of the episodes that got lost in the ether. So we have to have to have another chat with him again. He's a uh, he's a speaking guy, right? He's uh, yeah. yeah, we had um, yeah, we had him on, but it's again one of those episodes that got lost in the ether. So. Uh, nah, yeah. We'll have to uh, have a retouch base with him. He's, he's a legend. Yeah, he's a legend. So I'm, I'm, I'm on his stage, sharing the stage with him. So totally honoured. And man, it's just big. Speaking in New York is, is like one of those things where you think, ah, nah, that could never happen. So um, that's amazing. I'm just excited to, to, to do it and then see what, what comes from it. Uh, and that's really the year for me. Just um, continuing to run uh, online stuff, work with couples, and just doing the work, uh, touching touching people one you know one at a time and groups. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Are you are you got a like? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Where can people find you mostly? Yeah, I do a lot of work on on, on Facebook. A lot of your fa- work on Facebook. So just Nathan Miller on Facebook. Reach out. I post all there, but yeah. Thank you for your time, brother. It's an epic journey that you share with us and thanks for doing the work. And, you know, yeah, it seems like you're doing some amazing work and, you know, living there, living it and breathing, not just uh, not just talking about it, but actually being it as well. That's I appreciate that uh, a lot, you know, as I feel that, especially coming from like the martial background, you know, it's the, the Qigong, the, the Kung Fu and all of this. It's, it's all about direct transmission, you know. So, you know, even BJJ, if you're, coach is is you know is that high level guy which you know which my coaches are then you get you get that direct transmission and you know you don't necessarily even have to talk about it just being in the space of someone you can you can really feel and get that transmission so yeah i appreciate you doing the work and look forward to maybe occupying a stage or, or something together yeah, man. Well, yeah. I, I feel we, you know we've both been invited to similar events so Definitely, definitely. Yeah, man, for sure. I look forward to it. Thank you, brother. I, I really appreciate you. Uh, appreciate everything that you do because you know you're doing the work to to spread and share the message. So, much love to you, man. Thank you very much. Blessing, man. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Until next time, keep the flow growing and the growth flowing.